0: Welcome to Good Setters Podcast, where we meet some of the most interesting people on the planet that get good stuff done. So sit back and relax, grab an herbal tea as we talk fate, family, and entrepreneurship.
1: David Abraham is joining us today. He is a speaker, ministry consultant. He is the catalyst behind Now and the co-founder of Revive. David's life has been forever changed by an encounter with Jesus. And as a result, David loves introducing others to an encounter with Jesus as well and teaching people how to live in the awareness that they are deeply loved by God. So David, take that intro, kind of fill in the gaps for us. Let us know anything we might have missed there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, basically, it's funny when you talk about the hearing that it's pretty awesome. I started off not in ministry. Uh, I actually when I graduated college, I, I was a financial analyst. And I, you know, I just thought, you know, it's awesome. I love what I did. And I just knew one day just in prayer, uh, the Lord just spoke to me. Telling me that um, to go into campus ministry and uh, background of my story, I really gave my life to the Lord my freshman year of college, and my life has never been the same again. And so since then, um, my whole heart is that people would have that same experience where they would just uh, come to experience Jesus, not just like religion or uh, you know the the aspect of going to church, but really encountering God because I believe uh, Jesus is altogether uh, lovely, and it's hard to encounter him and, and to live the same way you've lived ever before. And so uh, that's my whole goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, so,
0: you know, when you first experienced Christ, uh, how old were you and, and and was it in college or was it before, uh, tell us about, you know, your family and, uh, your, your parents and and all that stuff and, you know, kind of describe your encounter with Jesus.
2: Absolutely. So, uh, a little bit more about myself. Uh, my, I come from four generations of pastors. So, my uh, my dad's a pastor in the Miami region. My grandfather uh, is a. Well, he's passed on, but he's pa- uh, planted churches in North India and in Philadelphia uh, when they came to the states. My great grandfather uh, was the first of his, of our family to become a Christian. He planted churches in North India and in Pakistan, and so uh, I think my first word was church. To be honest with you, so <laughs> I grew up in the church. You know, I just knew how to do the church thing. My parents dragged me to every single service, and so uh, I remember the Lord just touching my heart when I was twelve years old, and uh, I just tears at a service and didn't really you know i was i just knew that god was touching my life went to high school and just did the high school thing you know being your peer pressure all that stuff i went to college and i remember knowing that god had a plan for my life um but i didn't want to do what god had planned for me and i remember telling i just had a conversation with god like in passing, I said, God, can you give me my 40 years? And I'll give you my life after that. (laughs) And I think God gave me like four weeks. And I I was going through college. uh, You know, I thought that college was going to be great and fun. And it was, but I remember like going to parties and doing all, all this different stuff. And I felt empty inside, really. I felt empty. And I just kept thinking, like, if I get around more friends or more people or more fun things, that my heart would feel full. And every new morning, it felt emptier. And I remember a friend of mine uh, inviting me to a church service and I really didn't want to go. And he he basically uh, bribed me into dinner afterwards. He would pay for my dinner. Being a college student when you're broke, you know, <laughs> free dinner is awesome. Yeah. I, I remember going to the service and while I was there, uh, the guy who was speaking just spoke a message that spoke right to my heart. And I don't know why, but I was in tears. At the time, I don't know why. I recognized it was Jesus touching my heart and my life, and I just couldn't run away anymore. And so I said, all right, you know what, Jesus, I I, want to give my life to you. Uh, I can't fix my life, um, but if you can help me through this uh, I, I want to follow you, and it was the greatest decision I've ever made from that point on. That was my freshman year of college, exactly. and ever since – and here we are today, and now I'm in ministry, and I get to do this. I get to go to colleges and speak to college students and uh, introduce them to who Jesus is, and uh, that's that's where we are right now. So I
1: love it. So do you think that most Christians can explain exactly what the gospel is? That, that
2: you know, I think – I really do believe most Christians can, but I wonder if we actually do explain the gospel. Uh, I think when we go to church so often, we can say a lot of church things. There's I call it Christianese, where we say like church vernacular, but when we're connecting with someone who's not a Christian, or maybe they've never been to church before, um, we may say a lot of, uh, again, church vernacular, but maybe not actually share... Uh, the gospel messenger, really who Jesus is, the, the the person of Jesus, and like I said, he's really altogether amazing and beautiful, and and he, you know, he he's not asking us to have everything fixed up and to have a perfect life. All he says is, "Come unto me," mm-hmm. and, and so I think a lot of times because of what we've said, uh, you know, as Christians or maybe even non-Christians or just the messages we've heard, I think people feel like they have to get their life right before they come to Jesus. Um, but if we needed, to, if we could get our life right by our own self, we didn't need Jesus. We actually need him to, to clean us and to touch our hearts and to, uh, to mend the brokenness in our lives.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's it's one thing you know, and we experience this in our church where a lot of folks just come, frankly, to listen uh, uh, to the sermon, maybe even just check off a box. But yeah. they don't understand that there is a huge inconvenience of being a disciple of Christ twenty four seven throughout <laughs> the week. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're absolutely myself, right. You know, trying to. Trying to figure out how to teach people and how to love people through this, where where Jesus becomes Lord actually of their life, where they're actually passionate about uh, sharing the gospel and that that great message, you know. Yeah. Very tough. It really is. It, it, any any words of wisdom for me there?
2: <laughs> I yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think the you know Jesus told us to go out into the world and preach the Gospel. Um, He didn't tell us to like make converts or to to win them over. You know, I I think uh, as Christians, we we feel like when we share Jesus or when we talk to people, uh, I think we hope, and this is always great when we see people say, you know what, I want to give my life to Christ, but we can't make that happen. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Only he can touch people's hearts and lives. All we can do is share. And I've heard it said like this. Um, it's, it's this process, you know, sometimes we, and the gospels, uh, a lot of times you see in scripture, it's correlated as like a, a seed. Um, we may plant the seed or we may water the seed and someone is you know bringing the, the, the fruit of the seed and just, you know, harvesting it. But we don't know where in that process God will use us. Is it the planning? Is it the watering? Is it the harvesting? Uh, all we have to do is just be obedient to the opportunities that he gives us. And that's the great thing. You know, it's not on us to, to have like, okay, you want this many people. And all it is is just sh- you know, get sharing what God has done in us and sharing the good that he's put in our hearts and, the, and the, how he's impacted our lives. I think that alone is so powerful, and it can speak to so many people. Uh, you know, what he's done in your life is so powerful. Mm-hmm.
0: That is that is just huge, and that's very encouraging. And here's the thing, you know, if we if we take um, credit for leading people to Christ, you know, yeah. I, I led somebody to Christ, and I did this, and I did that, then you know, you know, then we have to take the, the same pressure of saying, you know, people didn't walk down the aisle this week mm-hmm. as a preacher, mm-hmm. so now that's my fault. And so, what you said—if you just share the gospel, then and, and allow God to do the rest—that takes off a huge amount of uh, pressure for evangelists like yourself, and yeah. you know, preachers like you know, my preacher, and 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 that's that's really awesome.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. like disconnecting yourself from the outcome and really just focusing on what you can control when that is sharing and creating. Uh, Helping your family life be strong so that you're a witness to the world or whatever else, but focusing on what you can control and not being tied to the outcome because that's the Holy Spirit job. The Holy yeah,
2: Spirit
1: job, like you said. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. And, and that's a great thing. The pressure's off of us at that point. Yeah. All we have to do is just live, live the life, you know? And, and that's a great thing to, to do. Yeah.
1: yeah. So with that, like, what is your strategy with sharing the gospel?
2: Yeah. So for me, uh, it, it's really unique because I, I know that we're just living life like I don't go out and sometimes I do but I'm not going out and say okay today I'm going to talk to three or four people mm-hmm. I just want to be open so like if I'm going to like a starbucks or I'm going to uh, you know the grocery store um, I just want to keep my heart open paul talks about praying without ceasing mm-hmm. and so that just simply means that like, hey we're having this contact this connection with the lord where uh you know we're, our heart is open to hearing him and i remember going to like a publix for example and I was in the um, checkout counter. And while I'm sitting there or standing there waiting for you know, checking out, I remember the Holy Spirit say, hey, there's someone here I want you to talk to. And I'm like, okay, you know, who is it? And so I'm just keeping my heart open at that point. Didn't think that that was going to happen. I just thought I'm buying fried chicken. That wasn't all that it was. I go outside and and this lady right who's parked next to my car, um, she was out there uh, smoking a cigarette and she had a big, like a cast on her arm. And I said, what happened to your arm? And she told me the story. And I said, Hey, can I pray for you? I just believe that Jesus, you know, he healed in the Bible and I'm a Christian and I believe he heals today. And she was like, sure, you can pray for me. And so for me, that's, that's sometimes what I do. Number one is just be open to the Holy Spirit. Let him, you know, he's, he's speaking. So I want to be open to what he's saying. But number two, uh, I I look for those opportunities to where I can pray for people. Uh, If there's an, like I see an injury or something happening, like maybe they've hurt their leg. I'll ask to pray for that leg or I'll just talk to people. Hey, you know, um, let's say I'm having a conversation with the barista at Starbucks. I'll just ask, Hey, is there anything you need God to do in your life? And that question alone sounds weird because that's not something people ask on a daily basis. So they'll look at me kind of bewildered and they'll say, what what, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I just want to know, is there anything that um, I can pray for you for? I just love praying for people. And they'll, some people open up, some people won't. And if they don't, that's okay. But some, you know, sometimes they'll say, yeah, my, my dad is going through this or I'm going through this, you know, financial time, the hardship or whatever the case is, and a lot of times, um, people are so on the go that they're carrying stuff on their lives, burdens, uh, heaviness that maybe they don't get to talk to someone. So when you're praying for them, you're doing two things. Number one, you're giving them opportunity to experience Jesus touching that area of their life. But number two, um, you're hearing them and they're just, you're showing them that you care. And so that's like, it, it just hits a two, like a twofold impact. And so I'll just pray for them right there. I don't wait to go home. I say, can I pray for you right now? And I won't make a long prayer. It'll just be like, Maybe twenty or thirty seconds, um, but if they have an injury, I'll ask them. Hey, do something you couldn't do before. Now, sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. Um, but I just believe that if Jesus said you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover well, let's give it a shot. Let's see. You know, let's see what happens. And I've, I can tell you incredible stories. I've seen people healed at Taco Bell drive-thrus. I've seen, uh, you know, people healed at gas stations, RVs. I mean, a lot of the healings I've seen are around food, and uh, which is, you know, that's another story for another that's day. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you just never know, but I've seen, you know, amazing, amazing miracles happen. And then at that point, people's hearts are open to, he- you know, just to Okay, wow, who is Jesus? I remember praying for a young lady at Penn State University, and she didn't even believe in Jesus. And I said, well, can I, a Christian, pray for you? And she was an atheist, a self-professing atheist, to say, can I pray for you to have an encounter with God that will change your life forever? And she said, well, if it makes you feel better. And I said, it will make me feel great. And so right in the middle of campus, broad daylight, everyone's walking around, start praying for her, and literally seconds into it, she starts tearing up. And she's like, I don't know why I'm crying. And I said, I believe that Jesus is touching your heart. Let's just keep praying. And you know, by the end of that like, couple of 30 seconds, she was sobbing and in tears and got to share the gospel with her. And uh, it was just an incredible, incredible encounter. Uh, God just touching her life. So so yeah, you never know what could happen.
0: Yeah, that's an amazing story. So, David, you got to tell us about the Green Stopper story, which I watched on your, on your website. That's an amazing, amazing story.
2: Okay, I'm going to ask you this, and I should have asked. Um, Green Stopper, I am completely oh, blanking Star- out Starbucks here. Green Stopper. Oh, those things, you, I love you,
0: those. Right, <laughs> she loves the Green Stopper. Well, the reason you went back into the Starbucks was because you didn't get a Green
2: Stopper. That would have so
0: been <laughs> That gave me the opportunity to, to really- I
2: forgot it. about, yes, yeah, okay. <laughs> thank you for refreshing my memory. So, uh, okay, so this happened. Uh, I'm at Starbucks and I'm waiting for my drink. And there was a young man uh, who had a, a, a um, like a device in his ear, and I, I was just like, okay. Um, so I asked him. I said, "Hey, what is that?" And it looked a little different than like a typical uh, hearing aid. And he said, uh, "You know, I'm deaf. Uh, I, he had like a hearing disability, and he couldn't hear from that ear. And so that was supposed to help him hear. Copeland. And I was like amazed. Yeah, I was amazed by this." And I was just like, maybe I should pray for him. You know, I was really struggling with this because internally I was like, you know, maybe, you know, he'll think I'm weird or, you know, people are probably looking at me and I didn't do anything. And I I remember walking out and I was like, I just feel like an idiot. I should have gone and talked to him. I should have prayed for him. And I just felt really bad. And I realized that I didn't get a little stopper for my drink. I was like, oh, yes, I get an opportunity to go back in. And I said, Lord, if he's in there still. Um, Just give me the boldness to talk to him. And so I I went back inside and he was there and I I go and get the drink. I said, Hey man, I said, let me just ask you a question. I said, uh, can I pray for you uh, that you would hear again? And you know, it's, this was some time ago, so I, I do need to remember what happened again, but he was open for me to pray for him. And I prayed for him right then. And he was just like, you know, I wish I could say, man, yeah, he was completely healed of his hearing. And, you know, he didn't take the thing off. But I told him, I said, Hey, when you go home, check your hearing. I just believe God's touching you. But he was so thankful that I prayed for him. He was really appreciative of the fact that I prayed for him. But I also noticed that there are people inside of Starbucks that were all watching mm-hmm. as I prayed for him. I didn't do the for that, obviously. But I noticed that people are hungry and looking for something. When you say that, God can heal you. I think people are actually looking for those uh, opportunities to see God move. So, yeah, that uh, that was a, actually an incredible time, an incred- incredible opportunity to see how God opened that up.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think the key there is, like, keeping your communication channel with the Holy Spirit open all the time. Yeah. said prayer Absolutely. without ceasing. So do you have any, like, practical tips for people who aren't kind of in that habit in that, you know, frame mindset. of mind, mm-hmm. the mindset, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, it's a great question because I used to think that to pray without ceasing, you had to be like, in your prayer room, on your knees, 24 hours a day. And I realized, number one, that's impractical, but Paul still makes this mention, pray without ceasing. So uh, one thing that I know is as much as we want God, God wants us. And you see that in the story of the prodigal son. While the prodigal is walking home, the father sees him in a distance and runs to him. And so you see that God is really, really willing to fill the space between him and us. And he wants communication. You know, in the first thing you see in Adam and God, there is communication. They're just talking to each other regularly in the cool of the day. So one thing I say is um, if you keep your heart open, Paul talks about set your eyes on things above. It's easy when we look at what's going on in our lives, what's happening in our situations. Let's say there's stress in marriage or there's stress in work. When we focus on that stuff, it's easy to lose the connection between you and God because our eyes aren't set on him. But When we in the, in spite of all of that, still keep our eyes on Him and keep an open heart and just talk to the Lord, you know, talk to Him, explain to Him, like, "Hey, God, this is going on in my life, and I thank You that You're with me." And something that I do is I just um, sometimes just recite Scripture, you know. I even if I feel stressed out, I say, "Lord, I thank You that Your peace that You give me passes all understanding." So what am I doing? I'm I'm taking Scripture and I'm applying it into my life, and I realize the more I do that, I'm just walking in faith and believing that what he said is happening or will happen. Um, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, but those who believe must believe that he is who he says he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I think that when we just focus on him and, and just kind of keep an open channel to him um, that w- he rewards us with his presence. He rewards us um, by being with us. His, his name is Emmanuel, God with us as well. So um, yeah, I, I think that, I hope that answers your question.
1: Mm -hmm. That's
0: awesome. David, I know you travel extensively speaking to college students and tell us about that and kind of, you know, how they're doing spiritually and really what you think the state of the Western church is right now.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's a great question. There are some statistics out there that different denominations have done and the range of, uh, students they say that high school church going kids when they go to college um about 60 to 80 percent of them will never go to church again Mm -hmm. and i just find that so hard to believe but i actually see it happening and i think my personal belief is that there are students that have gone to church maybe all their life like uh, like I was, um, but maybe they 've never had that encounter with God that can change their life. You look at Moses, for example, Moses had the best education, the best military training, the best spas, the best fitness clubs, the best Starbucks that the world could provide in first world Egypt. Yet this man has one encounter with the burning bush. he has one encounter with God, and his life is never the same again and So I just dare to believe that if if a person has an encounter with jesus it 's hard to just Go back to normal life. Maybe these students have never had that. Maybe they've gone to church, but uh, maybe they just never had that encounter with Jesus. And so I think students and millennials are really hungry for an authentic encounter with God and they're hungry for authenticity, uh, not just like, hey, yeah, you know, hey, brother, love you so much. I'll see you next week. I think they're really hungry for. Uh, actual uh, relational Christianity where they're doing life with people where they can be honest about their struggles and struggles with faith. You know, I had a friend of mine that was just struggling with his faith um, because of just some things that happened in his life. But the fact that he could be he could talk and not be like banished because he was struggling with his faith with God. And now that guy, I mean, this was a few months ago, but his, his walk is getting stronger and stronger, but he had to know that he could be received and loved still in the community of believers. And so I think there's people that are just hungry for that, hungry for love, hungry for authenticity and hungry for belonging.
0: Yeah. I want to drill down on that more, especially with the local church. Yeah. Um, I don't think the local church is doing this well. Okay. And I think the millennials, and you said authenticity, and that's certainly the case. I think they're looking for excellence as well. Yeah. You know, I think of my 25 year old son who watched, you know, he was three and four years old watching ESPN with these amazing motion graphics. I mean, all the four color printing, the billboards, all the media—it's all done with excellence. you know, and, and the church barely got out of PowerPoint in the in the
2: nineties. That's <laughs> so true.
1: Some of us are still there.
0: You know,
2: <laughs> so well, at least we got past I mean, the, the projecting slides. Yeah, so <laughs>
0: millennials are looking for authenticity. They're looking for excellence, but I, I think they're also looking for things that are theologically rich and they're highly intelligent they're educated yeah you put a lot of pressure on them to be winners yeah and they can sniff out a fake a counterfeit very very quickly yeah. and um so i'm encouraged by that but i think our churches have to adapt a little bit and stop making their denomination an idol Absolutely. Stop making, right Absolutely. stop stop you know, making their 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 man made rules, uh, their idol, and just go to Scripture, go to what's truth, and and love the way Jesus loved. Jesus didn't hang out with the pious people, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. You're so, absolutely right.
0: You know, and, and and I'm 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 pastoring, not the pastor, but I I serve as a pastor of a 150 year old uh, Southern Baptist church uh, in Grapevine called First Baptist Church, and there's. Okay. There's a lot of tradition and a, a yeah. lot of, and you know, that is something that I know you've got to bump up against when you're, when you're out there, whether you're itinerant speaking or you're at, you're at the colleges. So really the question is, uh, how do you combat legalism?
2: That is a great question. It is, for me, probably one of the biggest struggles that I have um, because uh, you know for me if you've, uh, you 've you all haven 't heard me uh, speak in person, uh, I usually like to wear jeans uh, and right now i 'm wearing a flash shirt uh, and i have this, I have this blazer and For me, uh, again, I know that my crowd is typically young adults, mm-hmm. and I want to connect to them and so what do i do i 'm not trying to be this guy who has the three piece suit and talking the perfect King James version of the Bible. you know I want to relate and connect and so Um, For millennials, they love it because to them, it's someone that connects with them. Um, But the older, let's say the people that may have brought me in, they may not be as happy with that because they expect me in a three piece suit. And I'll explain to them hey, if you want me to reach your young adults, um, we need to connect and relate to them. And maybe we don't look like, you know, we don't, I may not look the part, but if we are touching lives, who cares if we look the part? If we are authentic, authentically touching people 's lives, and I think it had you 're right i I believe we have to get past the way we look um, to actually like touching people uh, that 's what Jesus did i mean you see jesus you know he you know, he he dealt with um you know, people's mess, you know, and he wasn't shy about it. And if it looked, if it looked scandalous to him, it didn't matter. You know, they would talk about, look look at this guy who's hanging out with sinners, you know, and how could he do this? And it was a scandal. But at the end of the day, those people were the ones, the tax collector becomes his disciple. You know, uh, the one who's caught in adultery is at the feet of Jesus, you know, and you have these people who don't fit the role in the mold, but they're the ones who later on are a huge part of proclaiming the, the kingdom and the gospel. So I think a lot of combating legalism, It's I don't have the answer to it, to be honest with you. I just think if I can be honest with myself and honest with what God's told me to do, I may not win a lot of fans in the church, but I will impact people with Jesus. And if to me, if I can do that, that to me is everything.
0: Yeah, the cool thing is Jesus when he did approach, and I think that's why I kind of resonated with you looking through your website. You do just a fantastic job of just meeting people where they are and loving them where they are, whether it's they're in need of healing or, Mm -hmm. or they're going through some type of uh, emotional distress or whatnot. That's, that's just exactly what Jesus would do. However, they like, didn't, Jesus didn't like approach Matthew and say, Hey, you know, Hey dude, let's just hang out and, and maybe we can rip some other people off and charge them more taxes. <laughs> yeah. So he, he was with the sinner, yeah. but he didn't, he encouraging didn't encouraging the sin. He called out stuff, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Like stone cold with yeah. with the woman at the well. It's like, you know, how many, how many husbands have you had? You know, yeah. go and see no more. So that grace was balanced with, with truth. Absolutely. Speaking the truth in love is is just, it's, it's an art and and it's a gift. Yeah. Don't you think, and don't you think disciples of today need need to be more grounded in what the truth is and then be learning how to speak that in love?
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that because I think people, especially like the guys who I'm mentoring and discipling and pouring into they're hungry for God. Um, And for them, if, If they recognize that, hey, there's something in my life that, you know, may not be pleasing to the Lord, or if it's hindering my walk with God, uh, at the end of the day, if I'm recognizing that, I don't want anything in my life that will hinder that relationship. And I think people, you know, I think people are, they're open to that. Honestly, they're open to it. They're open to like, if you tell them, hey, you know what? bro, there's this thing you got to, you know, we got to handle this. I think if they know at the end of the day, that number one, you love them, you care for them. And number two, you're pointing them to Jesus, which is always you know, pointing them back to Jesus. And that's our job, you know, is let's point people to, to, to the great I am. Let's point them to to the one who who's longing to be with them. At the end of the day, I think that um, – I think people want that, you know, and so I agree with you, if it's, if we tell people we love them, but we're not like bringing truth and not pointing them back to Jesus, what are we, what are we leading them to, you know, that's, it's just really, it's feel good, maybe for a few minutes. Uh, but if you ha- if you, to me, I love pointing people to the relationship with Jesus. And so that relationship, you know, it's hard when you're, when you're walking with him and, and you're going through stuff, he will bring correction to that. You know, he, that whom he loves, he decided, he disciplines, you know, I, I discipline my children because I love them. If I did love them, I wouldn't care any less, but that's how it is with the relationship with God. Yeah. So I do agree with that.
0: So interesting. And so we, we've got this incredible message of the gospel that that never changes. But yeah. but we have a culture that's always forming and always changing. You know, what are you seeing out there? What are some strategies that you have to, to be able to communicate the gospel in, in, in the most effective way?
2: Yeah, that's great. Um, the, uh, the last chapter of Matthew, Matthew, you see uh, Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into all the world. And preach the gospel and so it's geographically but i think it's also in all spheres of society so you know social media for example that's uh that's something that i'm doing now is putting out videos because i have friends that may not that may be christian maybe they're not christian but they're on social media so i'm going into those spheres as much as i can and just impacting people with jesus telling them my experiences so i think uh, the message you know it 's always it 's the same, but going into these spheres of society, going into a you know, culture that 's ever changing and uh, you know, going to them i I think for a long time the church has been set up where we do church in this building and we invite people to come mm-hmm. um, but now you 're noticing a time where um, if people aren 't already going to church or they're not in that place where they're debating, they're probably not going to go to church. And so I think the biggest strategy we as the church can do is um, as Ephesians, and Paul talks about this, about the fivefold ministry, we're called to equip the saints, which is the body of Christ to do the work of ministry. Mm -hmm. So when we equip people, um, we're not saying everyone come to our church. We're saying church, let's go out to where the people are and let's just love on them. Let's see the opportunities that God's giving us. Let's keep an open ear to what he's telling us to do. And let's just, you know, let's just, give them heaven. And I I think that's how we do it. I think uh, when we equip people, there's, there's a lot of amazing people that are in the body of Christ, talented people um, you know, talented to do, you know, to, to do music, to, to build software. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's uh, who owns his own marketing firm, who loves Jesus. And he had a, a meeting with this very high up uh, guy in a very (laughs) well-known, I can't say, but well-known athletic company. And while he's having dinner with this guy, business dinner, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, ask him, ask this gentleman this question. It was about his childhood. And he asks him this question. And the guy said, like, how did you know that? And he said, I believe Jesus was sharing that. I think, I, think the, I think the Lord is showing, telling me to tell you this. And the guy was in tears. This guy doesn't believe in Christ, doesn't go to church. But I dare to believe that that moment, that guy's life was impacted. And it's hard to walk away from that. It's hard to walk away with. I remember, I'll tell you another story. I don't want to give you too many stories just for time's sake. But I remember me and my wife were at CVS and there was a young lady who had a knee brace on and she was in crutches. And we asked her, so what happened? What, you know, what happened to you? And she, she was telling us this injury that she had. And we said, can we pray for you? We're Christians. We love Jesus. And she said, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Buddhist. And I said, I said, that's okay. I said, I love Jesus enough for the both of us. I just believe He wants to touch you. Can I pray for you? And she was like, I guess so. And I'll tell you, her her knee pain was from a seven to a two. Mm-hmm. And while we were praying for her, the Lord showed us some stuff about her life and we asked her the question. She was blown away. She, she was like, There's no way you could have known that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I, I said, That's the Holy Spirit showing us that. Can we just and she was blown away. Now, I wish she, I could say she gave her life to Jesus that day. She didn't. But I dare to believe that her life was – you can't walk away from that. Paul talks about it as a word of knowledge. You know, I just think that you can't just walk away from someone who's a Christian sharing something about your life and just not, like, be impacted by that.
1: Those are seeds that you planted in her, in her life that Absolutely. you may never see the fruit from,
2: but yeah.
1: trust that God is going to make that come uh, to fruition if it is his will.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I do believe that to be true. And so that's why I think at the end of the day, um, if we, as the church as a whole, just empower people and equip them to just go out wherever they are. Not everyone's called to vocational ministry. I was listening to one of your episodes prior to, and I think you mentioned not everyone's called to vocational ministry. If anything, maybe 10% of the church, there's 90% that aren't in the church working, but they're in the banking field. They're in the medical field. They're in the entertainment industry. And God loves people that are doing those things as well. And he's sending believers there to bring an impact to those people's lives. And so I think if we equip people to, to just live the life, love people and see the opportunities, I think, I think that's how we impact the world.
1: Absolutely. I absolutely love, like, as you're talking, you've got eyes to see. You're hourly focused. You're going in public. You're not keeping your eyes down Mm -hmm. and just focused on what you need to do. You're engaging your world. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of us, we're just very much in our own heads. What do we have to get done and not focusing on other people and and how God can use us there so that's huge
2: mm-hmm. yeah well I'll, I'll be honest with you I, there's times I just get so caught up in my own thoughts in my own world what I have to do next or, or you know who's texting me um, but I think when I can just stop for a second and say you know what God I know I I, I could just be here to buy groceries or maybe you're here you're, maybe you've actually brought me here it's like Mordecai said to Esther you've been brought in this kingdom for such a time as this maybe maybe this was God's plan maybe he had me come to public right now just maybe for someone it's possible, maybe not, but let me just be open and ask him anyway. And I think he'll, he'll be, you know, quick to answer. So. Absolutely.
0: It's funny. You, you mentioned Publix and every time you mention Publix, Our heart she's cuffs. over there going,
2: <laughs> I miss Publix <laughs> so much.
1: You don't have oh, the God. <laughs>
2: We don't have Publix. Yeah, <laughs> we have some. Oh drinks. well, I know. I know what to pray for you all for now. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: those. Uh, what were they? Oh, the sprinkled cookies, sugar cookies yeah. at Publix. Yeah.
2: Been- oh, so good. I- I'm a big fan of their uh, their subs. So amazing. Good. Oh yeah, they're cute. So good. Yeah, we will yeah. we'll get those oh, on the way to yeah. the
0: beach. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, David, speaking of cookies, tell us about your kids.
2: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Um, so I have three. I have a seven-year-old. I have a five-year-old. And I have a three-year-old. And my three-year-old's turning four in a few days. Powerball. And um, I haven't told a lot of people this, so you guys will be the first, one of the first people to know. Uh, we're expecting our fourth, actually. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So we're really excited. You're on Good Setters Podcast. Yes, yes yes absolutely do it we, yeah we're, we're we're so excited so uh number four we don't know if it's a boy or a girl so we have two boys my oldest is a boy my daughter the princess is right in the middle and then my youngest is a boy and uh we don't know what number four is we know it's a baby uh yeah. so yeah well, so at least the
1: pressure's off you know what yeah happen.
2: we have yeah exactly we're really yeah we're really excited about about this and uh the baby is due March 17th, which ironically is my birthday. Awesome. So we're, yeah, we're, it's going to be a great birthday present. So, yeah. uh, so I just, yeah, so my kids, they, they have a ball of energy. I don't know where they get their energy source from. I just pray for a 10th of it. Okay. Um, but they're so much fun. They keep me young and they remind me to not take life so seriously. And right. so I'm thankful for that because I can do that at times.
0: That's oh, that's awesome. great. I love it. And I am really interested, David, to hear about your your business and um uh now I guess NOW and also uh Revive.
2: Yeah. So Revive is our ministry, it's our nonprofit uh Christian ministry, and uh that's basically allows us to go out and um go and share the gospel. You know, we, we get to go to uh, different uh, states, campuses, uh, I'll actually be in Cuba in January. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited about these opportunities that God's opening up. And NOW is a, a branch of our ministry where it's an event. It's, we call these NOW events. We've done two of them. We've done one right outside of Georgia Tech University. And then we did the second one at the University of Pennsylvania, which was called NOW Philly. And so we're actually doing our third one in October, October 22nd at, at Penn State University. Mm-hmm so we're really excited about it. And all we do, we just just bum rush the campus and we invite students and we just say, hey, guys, we're after an encounter with God. That's what we do. It sounds weird. It sounds unique, but it brings students in. And what we do is uh, we just get a worship band and we just... You know, we just say, hey, let's just worship God and let's just see what happens. And the last one we did was at the University of Pennsylvania, which is an Ivy League school. I had pastors tell me before we got there, like, don't even waste your time. You know, Penn, University of Penn students, you know, they'll, they'll stone you. You know, they jokingly said that, but they're partially true. Uh, partially like, you know, true in what they said as far as yeah. their thoughts were. Uh, that event ended up being the largest Christian event in the last 10 years prior to that event was a Ravi Zacharias event. That was uh, the largest. So for us to have the largest event since Ravi's event was so humbling, um, but so awesome too. You know, we had students give their life to Christ. Uh, We had students that were in church, but, you know, didn't make that decision to just you know, surrender to the Lord. They did that night, we had students. Uh, It's just amazing, an amazing event. So, uh, and glory to God for it because we got to get those students who came and get them plugged into campus ministries and local churches because discipleship is key. And so uh, we're doing that again at, uh, in October at university, or sorry, at Penn State University. So if y'all can pray for that, that would be super awesome.
0: Fantastic. Absolutely. Um, How can people find you? I mean, you're doing a lot of great stuff, obviously getting a lot of good stuff done with now and uh, other things. So how can we find you best?
2: Absolutely, you can go to my website. It's reviveyourworld.org. Again, reviveyourworld.org.
0: Yep, I was on there last night hanging out and it's it's, uh, it's a great, great website. All right, sidebar, are you a gator, Seminole, bull, or hurricane?
2: I am a bull university of south florida go oh, boys all right. so, that's what, wait, yeah
1: so, did you forget ucf you forgot UCF. oh,
2: oh or a night <laughs> sorry <laughs> no that's okay No, i well,
1: root okay, for the gator. she's yeah. a bull so is that <laughs> so, so is
2: that she she's a HCC hawk.
1: hawk i think they were
2: she's a okay. hawk yeah, yeah.
0: And, and i'm a i'm a florida gator and my son's okay. also a bull
2: yeah wow.
0: wow we are all gator fans yeah. so. yes
2: yes yeah, great game this past week. Amazing game, actually.
0: Fantastic. You know, yeah. we we'll, we'll take it. There's a
1: whole lot yeah, of going on.
2: This, the state of Florida, football-wise, we're doing pretty well this year. So uh, yeah. you know, we, we'll see what happens. But it's been a good season so far. That's
0: well, awesome. Pastor David Abraham is our guest, and we're just honored that you were able to spend time with us today. And we would be honored if you would pray us out.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> father we thank you for this day and you are so good and we just want to thank you for your love uh, for loving us lord uh, your word says that even when we were unfaithful you are faithful even when we we're unjust you are just and so i just thank you um, that your love uh it reaches out to us even even when we're in our worst condition and you come and you wash us and you give us the robe of righteousness and you you call us your own and so lord I thank you for this time we've had together i thank you that uh, for every person that has heard this podcast i just pray that you would just meet them where they're at touch their lives God, and may they uh, they're empowered by your spirit to do good things lord and to just uh, just go out and just see amazing things happen so we just bless you for this time in jesus name amen
1: amen amen
0: That man is on fire for the Lord.
1: Amen. That dude is on fire.
0: Hallelujah. David Abraham is like turning it up for Jesus. He is waiting for the Holy Spirit to prompt him so he can go share the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen. Mm. He does it by love, people. You need to learn that love, L-O-B-E, love.
1: One green stopper at a time. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs>